Good afternoon. My name is Helena McEwen. I'm a GP and I'm a Chief Officer at the British Medical Association. And with you, may I introduce Dr Helen Fiddler and Lucy Kerr. Hello, I'm Helen Fiddler. I'm a consultant gastroenterologist in South East London um, and I'm Deputy Chair of the um, Consultants Committee. Hello, I'm Lucy Kerr. I'm a Senior Policy Advisor at the BMA in the Equality, Inclusion and Culture team. Thank you. And Lucy is going to explain the interest and the work at the British Medical Association on the menopause for doctors and the medical profession. Thank you, Helena. So this was a piece of work that began in November 2019, when Helen raised the impact that menopause could be having on the senior medical workforce in a discussion on improving retention. This was a topic area we hadn't really explored before, so we decided we should circulate a survey to our membership to understand more about their experiences of doctors working during the menopause. So I think our objective was to find out what the specific challenges that clinical environments and the demands of a medical career could bring to doctors experiencing the menopause and what adjustments, supports and changes they may need to make this process easier for them. We were really happy as we received 2,000 responses to the survey. The survey included multiple open text questions where respondents got the chance to share their experiences and these were really detailed, open and painted a really good picture of the experiences the doctors are having. I'm just going to read a quote from one of the first survey responses I read through and I think it was this response that kind of demonstrated to me the complexity and intensity of the symptoms and how kind of isolated so many of these doctors must without any support. So I'm quite happy to talk about my physical symptoms as my boss is a woman who has been through the menopause. My hormone related mental health issues are more complex and when I'm experiencing them I don't feel able to talk to anyone, let alone ask for changes I feel I don't deserve as I appear to be doing my job so badly. I suffer attacks of low confidence, which makes me my question my worth and my ability to do my job. When coupled with the symptoms, I've often felt like giving up. So this is just one of many powerful responses. The majority of women experience menopause between the ages of 45 and 55, with the symptoms lasting an average of four years. So we had a look at the GMC register and found that there are just over 30,000 women doctors in this age group. So menopause is currently affecting a force and this number is going to continue to go up to reflect the increasing women who have joined the profession over the years. It is important to note at this stage that this doesn't capture all doctors who are experiencing menopause. For example, trans men and non-binary people may also experiencing menopausal symptoms. Also, around one in 100 women will experience early menopause. Um, when we try to improve equality and inclusivity in the workplace, it's really important to ensure we capture the experiences of everyone and don't leave anyone behind. So that's why, you know, with menopause policies or areas of action, it must be centred around respectful conversations where everyone is treated with dignity and respect. So we found that 93% of survey respondents had experienced symptoms as a result of the menopause, with 66% experiencing both physical and mental symptoms. Symptoms were really wide ranging, but the most, the ones that featured most strongly were hot flushes, night sweats, insomnia and fatigue, heavy bleeding and loss of confidence. Something the survey did demonstrate is that respondents were just as likely to mention the physical symptoms as well as the mental symptoms. So any effective menopause action must address these both in equal measure. 90% said the symptoms had impacted their working lives, with 38% saying this impact was significant. 
I mean, when looking at these figures, I think it's really alarming that this is still not recognised as a workplace issue, where employers have a responsibility to normalise the discussion and provide support and offer those changes to do everything they can to ensure their employees do not face disadvantages as a, at work because of this natural process. We saw a strong pattern from our respondents, feeling much more tired at work and feeling very isolated. There were new practical challenges that were emerging. So kind of for doctors who were working long periods without any breaks, they didn't have access to toilet facilities or drinking water. Um, because of this, it became really uncomfortable for doctors experiencing hot flushes or periods of heavy bleeding. When I'm talking about significant impact, this did include doctors stepping down from senior positions, changing their career paths, moving into lower paid roles, or even leaving medicine entirely. I think it's extremely concerning to find that some women may permanently be stepping back because their employers have failed to make changes that allow them to continue at work whilst experiencing the menopause. We know that a key cause of the gender pay gap in medicine is the underrepresentation of women across these senior positions and grades. And if we are continue to fail to retain these women and don't address the barriers they are facing, we're never going to close this gender pay gap in medicine. It's also really bad for patients and our health service that we are losing these really experienced and valuable doctors. 35% of respondents had made changes to their working lives as a result of the menopause and 9% intended to make changes. Unfortunately, 39% wanted to make changes to their working lives as a result of the menopause but said they were unable to. The most common change requested was around working patterns and access to flexible working. So this was reducing hours, introducing regular working patterns or reducing night shifts. The really great thing about this was when their employers had allowed them to make these changes, it had had a really significant impact on their working lives and personal lives. I'm just going to re uh, read from another respondent. And she had had a conversation with her manager around stopping night shifts for the period where she was experiencing the menopause and working weekends instead. And I'm just gonna say how this helped her. I now have a work-life balance. I have the energy to see friends, feel safe and drive, and I feel 20 years younger. I'm excited about work and passionate again about teaching, innovation and research and my clinical work. There were also lots of requests for changes to physical working environments, um, for example, access to fans, easy access to drinking water and rooms with better temperature control. So we found from respondents that only 15% had discussed their menopausal symptoms with their manager and 48% wanted to but didn't feel comfortable doing so. I think when we think back about how many women said that this was impacting their working lives, it is really concerning and we must explore why this is still something that remains a taboo at work. I mean, whilst we're not having these conversations between the employer and employees, it's going to be difficult to see positive change on the ground around menopause. So this, I think what we learned from this is this is going to have to be a real focus. The survey also revealed that there are examples of an NHS culture where sexist and ageist attitudes exist and also a very unforgiving culture, which made doctors nervous to admit that they were struggling. And when you think about this culture, it isn't exactly surprising that women aren't you know, willing to speak to their managers about this. And this is definitely something we also need to address. So this is a summary of the key things we found. Um, and this is what we heard from our respondents. So it would be really interesting to hear from you both about 
how you reacted to this survey? Did it reflect what you were expecting based on the experiences you had in your career? Yeah, so if, if I can uh, kick off, first of all, Lucy, thank you so much. That's a really excellent summary. Um, and when I saw the survey results, I just felt overwhelmingly sad that there was all this unnecessary suffering um, and that we were losing our future leaders in the NHS at a time when we have disastrous workforce statistics and we need every single doctor. Every doctor matters. We need to keep people in the workforce. Um, and this is despite menopause falling under quite hefty laws, including age discrimination, sex discrimination and disability discrimination. So why do we have this um, problem? It should be solved fairly readily. And the issue is that we have a culture where this is a taboo subject. And if I think about my specialty, gastroenterology, male dominated still, the idea of going into my male manager and talking about adjustments for my menopausal symptoms is, is just appalling. I would be embarrassed. He would be embarrassed. I'd be worried about my future um, promotion prospects and being given management, management positions. Um, and I'd be worried that they'd think I was going to leave. And it would just and he would have no training and no preparation for that conversation whatsoever. And yet this is something that with the demo demographics of the workforce is something we have to get right because we're having increased. I mean, there are 30,000 women now, women doctors now who are of menopausal age and it's going to be rising significantly as the female workforce grows uh, in medicine. So it's a situation that absolutely has to be resolved. And there are I mean, I think if I can think about the actions I would like to take, the first thing is we need to do something now. Second thing is it's really helpful if we can do it collaboratively with other stakeholders. This is something that we would all like to fix. Um, and we, if we work together, we'll be much more powerful. And rather than producing very wishy-washy recommendations to employers, which they may or may not choose to act upon, we need something with a little bit more bite. So if I think about the seven, the seven things, Helena, I'll stop in a second, sorry, the seven things that I would really like to see. The first is I would like to see reasonable adjustments for menopause becoming normal um, and for everyone to be aware of the Equalities Act. And as this is a gendered issue, the importance and the law behind reasonable adjustments. Um, I'd like to see a change in our culture of gendered ageism so that we have menopausal support cafes, we have menopause champions, we have a safe environment for women to raise these issues and discuss them. That we have um, gender sensitive risk assessments, which would have to be optional, but they might be able to offer lots of measures to help, which I'm sure um, we will be talking about um, uh, in the rest of the day. I'd like to see training for people doing job planning so that they can have conversations knowing what is available in terms of adjustments, knowing what the laws are and without feeling embarrassed and knowing it's their job to know these things. I'd like to see relaxation rooms, um, which would be a great idea. Juniors have them already um, in their fatigue and facilities charter. But for um, consultants going through menopause, it's especially important to have somewhere to go and rest. I'd like to see uh, menopause related sick leave not being part of the Bradford score and being actually um, separate from normal sick leave so that people aren't discriminated against for that. And finally, I'd like this all underpinned by a really excellent employer occupational health service that backs up all these measures. Thank you. 
and uh, interestingly, I'm a GP and I was also worried when I was heading up our workforce at the GP committee at the BMA um, about the loss of the workforce in the mid 40s onwards. And I didn't have a good explanation. And I do think that we now have a partial explanation for why women quit uh, in their late 40s. Uh, now, I'm 53 next uh, month. I'm experiencing significant psychological and physical symptoms of the menopause myself. I particularly uh, have problems with insomnia and I will wake up with acute anxiety. Now, I'm managing this with uh, running. Many people take up exercise, but I want to be able to talk about this in my workplace and not be judged for it. And I have a very friendly workplace uh, where the first thing I was told to do was get myself a bottle of water um, so that we can address some of the hydration issues. But what in general practice we lack very often is we don't have enough loose. We simply do not have enough toilets for a mainly female workforce. 77% of our NHS workforce is a woman. And if you need to dive to the loo, which so often we do on a very busy working day, you can get into a lot of problems waiting for an empty toilet. So we need some investment in infrastructure too, in general practice and in hospital, alongside the, the more simple, if you like, reasonable adjustments. Um, I'm also a great believer in this being not just a, a doctor issue or an NHS issue, but we have a predominantly female teaching workforce and we should be talking about this as a society um, because uh, losing our workforce is a big issue to the taxpayer. Helen uh, Fiddler rightly talked about how we need doctors more than ever at the moment, but we also can't afford to be losing uh, teachers and senior nurses at this stage in life because it leaves us with a massive gender uh, pay gap and pension gap, where we see many women uh, living on not the money that they should have earned while they were working hard through their lives. So this is a, an issue to the taxpayer who loses workforce in the NHS and other female dominated industries. And it's very much an is issue uh, for, for us in the NHS. The, the most simple thing to start is to have the conversation, to be honest, to be listening and, and to hear people listening um, rather than making one feel small or feel that your job or your promotion is at risk. I mean, that's really helpful, I think. And I think that's definitely the, like something that really strongly came through from our survey responses is that there's this type of feeling that menopause is the end of your career and once you've gone you know gone through that that's the end whereas a lot of them are saying yeah I want to reduce my hours say for now but I want to go back to working full-time hours after this like I don't want this to be a permanent change and I found that really interesting because I do think sometimes in an employer's head they'll be like oh if you want this now that's just going to be a continuous thing you're going to want forever um, so I think that's something I hadn't thought about before looking at this and I wanted to ask about flexible working. So I work on like broader gender equality issues, looking at juniors as well. And from everywhere, there's always this thing around flexible working just being such a key thing for gender equality. What I found when I was looking at these responses and kind of the senior medical workforce was that they felt like they couldn't ask for flexible working. They felt that it was kind of would be seen as a negative, that it would be, and I just wondered if kind of during your careers have you noticed a change in attitudes towards flexible working 
Yeah, so I think flexible working for um, younger doctors with families, female younger doctors for fam with families, is almost acceptable now. Not in every specialty, not really in mine, but in many places it is becoming acceptable. Flexible working for older doctors with health issues is not seen as acceptable. And it is so difficult that many colleagues I, I have had have actually preferred to just retire than try to um, circumnavigate the very, very difficult job planning process to produce a job plan that is flexible enough for them. And that's utterly ridiculous. We see that mirrored in the difficulty we've had during COVID with uh, accommodating returning doctors. So doctors who've retired and have been asked to come back we haven't been able to accommodate them because we're not flexible so this lack of flexibility undermines our workforce at every stage and it's something we really really need to address and Lucia you're absolutely right the menopause only lasts on average four years now my menopause lasted eight years and was a bit rotten um, and four years is on average. And so employers, if they know that they're only going to have to do this for a limited period, and at the end of it, they will have a senior doctor with experience able to take on leadership positions. That's, that should be motivating for them. I agree. And general practice uh, over the course of my career, I've seen uh, flexible working become much more acceptable for men and women, but younger men and women. So it's very acceptable to have a school collection to have to get to, for instance, or perhaps for a man to have a sick child in the building in the surgery or to take time off for a sick child. That's been a massive change. But we haven't seen the change in this age group of the over 45 which may go some way to explaining the loss of the workforce and the impact on the lack of leadership role models uh, with grey hair, uh, etc., uh, who need to be our aspirational role models, which will really sort out the gender pay gap and in turn the gender pension gap. And I'm expecting uh, to have to work to 68 to get my full pension. So I very much need flexibility now so that I can take on a more full time role again in another few years, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it. And I think I, when I was learning about kind of having learning more about the gender pay gap, I saw all of these barriers that were being faced by uh, doctors with children and obviously women are still doing the majority of caring responsibility and it felt that you know when your children and that those those responsibilities start to lessen you then get <laughs> the menopause starting to be experienced and once again you're seeing these barriers that employers still aren't addressing it's just an additional challenge and it just yeah it definitely feels very unfair and I think there's a lack of appreciation from employers about the actual impact of menopause. Yeah. And that's why our BMA survey was so, um, it, it was, for me, it was stunning. I, we all operate in our own little private bubble with the menopause at the moment. I thought it's just me who's feeling anxious, not sleeping, night sweats. And unfortunately, we have interconnection of all these symptoms. So the sum is greater than the parts. It It's quite overwhelming and devastating. And I, with that survey, I realised Actually, we all, or 93% of us, have this issue. And so, you know, it's so important that employers do understand the impact. They re that it's, it's not just something rather funny uh, for women of a certain age. It really is impactful and it really has to be resolved because, as Helena said, we need our workforce. Yeah. And it hasn't been helped by the pandemic, really, because if you're suffering anxiety, 
well, much of the world is suffering anxiety at the moment. Having said that, I think the opportunities for flexible working in general practice have improved because um, I think you, you would be listened to much better if you asked to do remote consulting, if you were experiencing significant symptoms such as um, heavy periods or menorrhagia. I think that's absolutely right. The the remote working has been great um, for people who are menopausal because it does give you that extra extra flexibility. The disadvantage for COVID, apart from, as you say, the, the, the sheer tragedy of it and the anxiety and the lack of really any coherent strategy coming from our leaders. But the real problem for in some specialties, sorry, I just had to get that in. The real problem for in some specialties is for me, practically wearing all that personal protective equipment with face mask, hat, huge gowns, which, of course, don't fit properly they're miles too big because they're designed for men and the face masks may not fit so I might not be as safe as a male colleague but it's it's even worse if you've got a four-hour list or longer and you're in all that gear and you have a hot flush what are you supposed to do you know there has to be flexibility in this and I think something that from what both of you are saying um I'm feeling that it's not just about the managers but also about colleagues um and as you said, just not knowing about the impact. Um, there was quite a lot of discussion um, from the survey respondents and some of the positive things that happened from uh, employers and trusts taking action to educate the all staff about this. Um, and they saw some real improvements and they could talk about it more. Because if you think about it, if women themselves who are experiencing the menopause don't realise, you know, that these are symptoms are shared. I mean, it's even less likely that men or um, the younger doctors who haven't experienced this yet will. And I was just looking at policies from other professions that probably got ahead of us in dealing with this. Um, and they found that their male, when they engaged with their male employees, they were really surprised, kind of keen to support, reacted really, like reacted really well. A lot of them, they said, the first thing they did was ring up the they were okay and sorry that they hadn't engaged with them before which I have to say is exactly what I did I said to my mum I was like why didn't you share that you were going through this with me um so I was just thinking what do you think about that about just improving the general knowledge of this um around the subject so I, I think that's that's right. The the problem I or the worry I would have about training, I mean, training is obviously essential. I think it has to be mandatory because if we were to set up a um a grand round on menopause and adjustments, the audience would be predominantly female. So um, some of my um colleagues would not feel this was something they needed to know about. And that is because of the huge gap there is in awareness and we have a responsibility to close that gap so I think training is essential particularly for people doing job planning um, it's ludicrous that you can't raise this in either appraisal or job planning without knowing the person sitting opposite you is trained in understanding this um, and that there have to be awareness of the adjustments that can be made um, because otherwise we're not going to make progress and setting up a training program which is not mandatory I don't think we necessarily help because the gap's too great at the moment. 
Yeah. And we've just seen publication of the NHS People Plan. And I think we ought to be able to talk about this in, in, in that uh, scenario and also indeed in the gender pay gap. But actually, I'd quite like to see much more public talking about this, perhaps some role models uh, on television and in social media, because it is we need the other half of the population to be understanding and talking about it as well as the, uh, the training. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something that I've noticed even in the past year or so around more and more times that you kind of see this in the papers, the more you see it discussed, the more you see it kind of even in like TV shows, um, they start to kind of bring this in more. And I found that I've really noticed a trend. So it definitely feels like now is a kind of an exciting time to maybe take some action in this area. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And the trouble with the stuff in the media and even recently on social media, I got in a bit of a Twitter fight um, is that it's banter, it's jokes, it's a, a subject for humour. And, you know, I, we, we should be able to laugh at everything, I suppose, almost. But there has to be a background of knowledge and respect. Yeah. And that's what's lacking. It's also so ageist. When you think that our life expectancies in the UK as women is 81, um, you know, uh, at 52 or 53 to be menopausal, this is not the end of our lives. You know, we may well have nearly three decades ahead to contribute to society and be really valuable members of society. So it's completely inappropriate to be talking about, you know, even women of a certain age or or, or throwing us out on the rubbish heap, really. Um, we need to be looked after for those four years so that we remain uh, truly valuable and respected members of society. Okay, great. This has been a really interesting discussion. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And it's, it's so nice to sit and have a, a meeting where everybody agrees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you for having us. Yes, thank, thank you. you.